Welcome back to Lightshed Research, a podcast that puts our research notes in your ears for your listening convenience. April 20th, 2021, nine questions for Netflix's Q1 2021 earnings interview tonight. Here are the nine questions investors should be asking management on tonight's Netflix Q1 2021 earnings interview. Our Q4 2020 questions can be found here. Number one, why was Sony Pay One so important? Given Disney's focus on unifying the Marvel character universe, we were shocked to see Netflix outbid Disney to license Pay One rights for Sony. Historically, you have talked down the importance of Pay One output deals, including after you gave up Pay One rights in the past. Given how long it takes for movies to get to the Pay One window, versus investing those dollars in Netflix original movies. Plus, you have said that Disney was unique in Pay One, given the scale of their movies. In turn, Help us understand why it made sense to pay upwards of three times what stars had been paying for Sony movies in the Pay One window. Will Sony movies come to Netflix with a much shorter window than Pay One films have historically? Could that window actually be prior to home entertainment, meaning DVD, rental, digital download, as we are seeing with Warner Brothers and Paramount? Finally, does the Netflix-Sony agreement allow for someone else to make a deal for Sony's Pay Two rights, such as Disney? Number two. Implications of Collapsing Theatrical Windows Prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, Netflix had been in an ongoing battle with movie exhibitors who wanted to maintain at least a 60-90 to day window between theatrical and streaming versus a historical 75-90 to day window. Every studio now appears to understand the world is never going back to what it was before, with Disney, Warner Brothers, Universal, and Paramount all talking about far shorter windows, even on event pictures, and how smaller mid-budget films might go directly to streaming or day-and-date theatrical and streaming, as Warner Media's Jason Kylar talked to last week. With the historical release windows of the entertainment business shattered, how do you see that impacting Netflix's access to film projects? Can you point to film projects you lost or producers, directors that avoided Netflix because you were unwilling to meet exhibitor demands? How is your thought process around theatrical windowing before a title reaches Netflix changed? Also curious if you were surprised by two recent events. A, Warner Brothers shifting back to a short exclusive theatrical window for potentially blockbuster films. And B, Disney utilizing day and date theatrical with a $30 premium access upcharge, including Marvel's Black Widow versus including the films at no cost on Disney+. Plus. Number three. How does the Knives Out math work? The original Knives Out movie had a $40 million budget and generated global box office of over $300 million. An incredibly profitable film when ancillaries were added in, including the SVOD licensing to Amazon Prime. The success of the original clearly drove the price of the sequel buyouts to an extremely high level, with Netflix reportedly paying $465 million for the next two films in the franchise. How do you think about the risk-reward on an investment like Knives Out especially without owning the original, versus trying to find the next Knives Out at a far lower cost. Number four, could you put a hard stop to password sharing? You've been talking about reducing password sharing for quite a while now, but finally there has been increased visibility of Netflix clamping down over the past couple of months, as shown in the streamable screenshot embedded to the right. Curious how easy it is for Netflix to tell which users are abusing password sharing and how difficult it would be to deter them. To the extent Netflix could make it very difficult today, what is holding you back as the aforementioned tests do not appear widespread? 
How do you balance the benefit of creating addicted new users who might ultimately become paying subs with the near-term lost revenue associated with password sharing? Number five, what happens to scale? What needs to happen to scale India to 50 to 100 million subscribers? You have long talked about the potential of India to have 100 million Netflix subscribers. We highlighted 2021 as having the potential to be a breakout year for Netflix in India in our Q4 questions after the content team talked about a slate of 17 new titles on the We Are Netflix podcast. Earlier today, Netflix's head of global TV, Bella Bajaria, spoke at the APOS conference and said it has taken 18 months to build a comprehensive slate in India of over 40 titles, noting that when Sacred Games had success in the market, there was not enough other content around it. Bajaria indicated a heavy release waiting towards Q3, Q4 2021. Between Netflix's large investment in content for India and the worsening COVID-19 pandemic in India, should we expect 2021 in India to look more like what you saw in the U.S. and Europe in 2020 in terms of accelerating subscriber growth? Longer term, what needs to happen to achieve the scale you have long believed is possible in India? Number six, impact of rising competition for international content. Outside of Amazon, your peers were slow to recognize the importance of localized content. Their lack of interest in producing local, regional content was a unique advantage for Netflix and Amazon, as they utilized that local content globally, creating a powerful cost arbitrage relative to U.S. production costs. Now, many of your peers, including Disney, HBO Max, Apple, and others, are rapidly jumping onto the international content bandwagon as they talk up their global streaming subscriber ambitions, the 1.2 million global SVOD subs we wrote about last month. How do you see the increased competition impacting your production budgets overseas? Is this three to four years ago in the U.S. all over again? And have you started to lose projects you really wanted to other platforms? Number seven, is syndicating originals just marketing? What would be the impetus for licensing out some of Netflix's older originals? We have seen Netflix utilize its content as a marketing strategy via syndication in the past, such as season one of Narcos being made available on Univision back in 2016, in addition to free access events such as StreamFest in India. Is there a financial rationale for catalog syndication, or does Netflix view syndication as simply another form of marketing or subscriber acquisition? Number eight, is your release strategy evolving? On the recent Smartless podcast, you explained how you came to the binge release strategy for Netflix originals. Your peers have generally taken a different approach, including some of your digital native competitors, such as Apple TV+. Why do you think others see this issue strategy differently than Netflix? Netflix has been increasingly willing to try new release strategies for game shows and unscripted content, such as the new season of The Circle that comes out weekly. What have you learned to date, and could you foresee testing a different release strategy for other genres of content? Number nine. Reaction to the Japan price increase. You have talked about how it took time to get the content strategy quote-unquote right in Japan and to penetrate device makers across the country. Earlier this year, you announced a price increase in the market. Curious if you could give us a sense of how that price increase was received relative to other markets where you increased price over the past year. 